Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the RDL show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host for today. My name is Sky Guasco. Our fearless leader, Ryan Leaf, is out on a personal matter today. He will be back on Monday. Jonathan and Charlie also have the day off as well. I contemplating just kind of shutting it down for today and getting back on you with Monday, but we were out for a couple of shows last week as well, and I wanted to make sure we do our due diligence to bring you a quality hour of some of the best sports content we can find and provide for you so ryan is going to be back on monday and the boys will be back as well but i am in the hot seat today once again my name is sky guasco usually a co-host today i am hosting we're going to be talking all sports today we are going to be talking nba playoffs we're going to be talking some nfl i want to talk about some worst to first teams some teams who were in first place last year that may not retain that title in their division, and also some teams who were in last place last year that may get out of the cellar for one way or another and not be in last place. And then we're going to talk some MLB as well, get into some baseball, and see who those true contenders are at the top of their divisions as well. So we've got a lot to cover in this show. Once again, if you're just tuning in here on Periscope, Twitter, or YouTube. I'm the host for today. My name is Sky Guasco sitting in for Ryan Leaf. This is the Ryan Leaf, Ryan D. Leaf show, hashtag RDL show. Make sure to follow us at the hashtag RDL show for show clips. You can find us on Twitter at the RDL show. You can also find Ryan personally at Ryan D. Leaf. And of course, please subscribe to the Ryan D. Leaf show right here on YouTube. And if you're listening back on the podcast version, Anywhere you listen to your podcast on the Believe Podcast Networks, make sure to leave a rate and review and find us on YouTube as well. So Ryan usually opens up the show with some sort of opening, and generally it's around something to do with with, uh, mental health. And I wanted to kind of double back today on something that we talked about on last show and bring up Naomi Osaka one more time. If you're unfamiliar... She's a women's tennis player, number two 
women's tennis player in the world, recently withdrawn from the women's French Open over some controversy. She elected not to do some post-match pressers, and she was originally fined $15,000 for not fulfilling that obligation, which is common for professional athletes. But she was fined $15,000. Well, there, there was some serious backlash, not only through the tennis community, but throughout sports in general. And many people came to her aid right away, namely the uh, Williams sisters, Serena and Venus, right away came to her aid. They came to support her. There were athletes, men and women from various sports. There were reporters that came out in support of her. Um, there were really just, just celebrities in general, sports athletes and otherwise coming out in support of Naomi and just kind of this idea that players are not only obligated to fulfill uh, their responsibility, quote unquote, to do press conferences after matches, but basically they are, I wouldn't say forced. They do have an option not to, but if they don't, they get fined. On Wednesday's show, the question of the day was, do you actually care? Do you even care as a sports fan that an athlete gives you a presser at the end of the event? We had a lot of people just straight up say no. It's always nice to get that, you know, post-game energy, whether it's positive or negative, right? Of course, if they win a match or they're fired up, it's positive, it's uplifting, um, they're, you know, inspired and they're fired up. And, and if they lose, generally, it's kind of melancholy and they're down and disappointed in themselves. But ultimately, do you actually care if an athlete gives you a post-game conference? I like to watch them. I think we learn a lot sometimes. Most of the time, though, it's generic answers. They are, most of them anyway, are very careful with what they say and what they don't say. And because of that, I don't know that it's necessary that we get these, you know, post-match interviews. Now, leading up to an event or something, you might be a little more candid. But a lot of times, you know, they're trying to hide things. They're not going to tell you everything they want to, like in football, right? They're not going to tell you the playbook. They're not going to tell you, like Bill Belichick's classic, Right. He's not going to tell you where they're going to attack this week. They're not going to tell you that they're going to, you know, run the ball more this week because they have an injury on defensive line, or they're going to throw the ball more because their secondary is beat up or young, or they can't hang. So for these athletes to have to come out and give these pressers, in my opinion, is not is not uh, necessary. I want to bring this up again one more time to open the show because Brett Favre. Uh, legendary quarterback, Green Bay Packers, of course, Jets, Vikings. Um, I was a huge fan as a kid. Uh, I grew up in the 90s, and it was Brett Favre and Steve Young all day long. And I'm a 49ers fan, and our biggest rival outside of the Cowboys was the Green Bay Packers. And I was a huge Brett Favre fan as a kid. And I still appreciate his football legacy. Uh, but he has said a number of things that I just personally don't agree with, and I don't need to get into all those. But he has his own podcast, and he's welcome to say whatever he wants, like we have this show, and we voice our opinions here. He recently came out and said that, uh, you know, he thinks it's it's mandatory and necessary, and that athletes like Naomi Osaka should fulfill their responsibility and obligation as a professional athlete to give post game press conferences, regardless of how they're feeling in regards to mental health. And if they don't, 
then they should be penalized and therefore fined. In Naomi's instance, it was $15,000. Now, Brett Favre had an illustrious career playing football, obviously. He was arguably the most popular player in the entire NFL for most of his career in Green Bay, certainly one of the most popular quarterbacks. But he played the majority of his career in Green Bay, Wisconsin. One of the smaller markets in all of professional sports, certainly in football. Now, he was in the limelight personally because he was Brett Favre. He was on great teams. He's a great quarterback. So I'm not saying he didn't get into the press, but it wasn't the same as being in a bigger market or on the world stage that some of these other athletes are. He did have one instance in 1998 when the Detroit Lions beat the Green Bay Packers and Brett Favre was frustrated with his performance, so he opted out to not talk to the press. Well, he was fined $25,000 for not talking to the press and has since said he regretted not doing it because he should have shown his emotion. He should have been there in the moment. He usually was, and he wasn't that day. So, okay, kudos to him for saying, hey, you know, my bad. I should have been there, and I should have taken accountability, whatever. Cool. I appreciate that. But in my opinion, that's just a single day where he was not in the best shape with his mental health. And that's okay. That is fair. And I think for for Brett to take a day off on a rough day when he didn't perform in his sport, in his job, in his life work, he didn't perform well enough to be comfortable to talk to the media, not a problem. I'm totally okay with that as an athlete. Okay? What I'm not okay with is him chastising other athletes for doing the same thing and Naomi, again, we said last week or on uh, Wednesday's show, 23-year-old kid, right? She has anxiety around the pressure of having that performance and having that presser after the show, after the, uh, after the match. And that takes away from her match in general. She's already the number two player in the world. She doesn't have anxiety around playing tennis as much as she has around the press conferences thereafter. And I think that part of it is wrong. So I was not surprised per se, because I listened to Brett Favre's podcast. There's a lot of great nuggets on there, Um, but I was not surprised to hear what he said, but it was interesting because he had one of these instances over his career as well, where he said, not today, guys. Sorry. Okay. No problem. I think every athlete should have that opportunity. Now there are certain guys, and I'd mentioned these on Wednesday, Barry Sanders, uh, Obviously, Bill Belichick and the coaching, Nick Saban doesn't say anything either. And, you know, Marshawn Lynch, a lot of football guys who don't talk to the media for whatever reason. Now, they either eat the fines and they can. But what about these lower level athletes that don't make that kind of money? They can't afford $15,000, $25,000 a week to not press. Now, I understand lower level players are not always talking to the media anyway. But in that instance, I just I think that there should be some leeway there. I understand that they are essentially, you know, entertainment for us, the generic public. But at the same time, at the end of the day, they're human beings. And in my opinion, it's not okay that we are essentially putting them on a platform which they must perform outside of what they're supposed to be performing. They are athletes. That's what they do. Okay. If an athlete is having a mental health episode and they don't want to play a game, Okay, that's its whole other whole other matter. And I'm also in support of that because ultimately mental health, I think, is the most important thing that we're finally as a society taking seriously and taking accountability for, which is excellent. 
But that's a whole other thing. What we're talking about here is the press game conference after the fact. These people have already performed for us. We've watched them on TV. We've watched them in person. We've paid our ticket. We've been entertained for five minutes, for three hours, depending on the sport, depending on the the, uh, athlete and what they do. And now we're giving them a hard time because they don't want to be there for that extended time frame. To me, that's that's unfortunate, and it's 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 a bad look, I think, on sports and the public eye, to not have more leniency. It was great to see the support from other athletes. Again, the Williams sisters, who are iconic in tennis, men and women's tennis, they came out right away and and backed her up. And I think it's more important that a lot of athletes do that as well around the horn when this happens. So I just want to mention that in, in the opening again. Paying, paying homage and respect to mental health. Ryan talks about it a lot. Um, those of you that have followed Ryan's story post-career over the last couple of years are well aware of his story and his support and his allyship with mental health. Um, I don't talk about it as much on this show because this is Ryan's show and I play a supportive role most of the time. But today I'm in the hot seat and today I'm the host. And I also want to throw my hat in the ring in support of anyone struggling with mental health athlete or otherwise. Um, I do sometimes myself. I did as a player back in the day and growing up as a male athlete um, in a, in a, in a uh, a kind of a macho world. um, It wasn't necessarily okay to feel your feelings. Right. Um, And now it is, and it's, it's being respected and appreciated. And uh, I just want to say that I am also in support of that. All right, we have a big show today. I do have a lot to cover here for NBA playoffs, some NFL winners and losers, and also kind of that first-to-last mentality. And in the MLB, we're going to talk about some standings as well and some true contenders. But before we do that, I want to give a quick shout-out and get through the first of our three supporters, Sunfair. I want to give a shout-out to Sunfair here. Personalized, delivered, healthy meals. Go through and sign up. On sunfair.com, once you get there, enter your information on the page at checkout. You need to select Carl Farrow as your sales rep and then select the Ryan D. Leaf show as where you uh, got your information. Sunfair, today's way to eat since 1997. Y'all know how we do this. I'm going to bring up Ryan's picture. We got to show off my man's putting in the work. The bottom picture here, okay, at the start of this about a year and a half ago, two years ago, and the middle pictures in the top picture are more recently. Again, he mentions it all the time. Not a lot. He's been working out recently. All right. He's doing well. He's been working out recently. But for about a year, when quarantine was heavy, he was not. It was all about the food, delivered meals straight to his door. And you see the transformation. Ryan's 45 years old and he's looking absolutely fantastic. So well done, Ryan. And if you're in the Los Angeles or Phoenix areas, make sure to hit up Sunfair. Again, personalized delivery, healthy meals. Go to sunfair.com, enter your information, select Carl Farrow as your sales representative, and select the Ryan D. Leaf show to let them know who sent you. Once again, if you're just tuning in here, I'm the host for today. My name is Sky Guasco. You can find me on Twitter personally at my name, Sky Guasco. Sitting in for the big man today, he's out on a personal matter. Ryan will be back on Monday. Jonathan will be back on Monday as well. I'm rolling solo today and uh, looking forward to breaking down the rest of the world of sports. Okay, 
Let's jump in here to the NBA playoffs. So I have – I wanted to basically just go through the bracket here. Round one. Last night we had a couple more series wrap up. And the day before that we had a couple more series wrap up as well. The Bucks have been done for a while. And tonight we have the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks going at it in Dallas. Dallas is up 3-2. to two. If Dallas gets the win in Dallas – they get the upset as the five seed over the four seed Clippers, and they move on to play the number one seed, the Utah Jazz, in the West. The East is all taken care of. So let's go through round one here really quick. And uh, before we do that, I do have a question of the day for everybody. It is NFL-based, which I'll get to NFL in just a little bit. But if you're tuning in, hop in the comments with me. Let's have a uh, mutual conversation today. Help me out with a little conversation so I can take a break with my vocals here. Question of the day today, NFL-based. Which NFL teams who did not finish first in their division in 2020 could in 2021? One more time. Question of the day. Which NFL teams who did not finish first in their division in 2020 could finish first in their division in 2021? I'll get into NFL in just a little bit. But first, I want to talk some NBA. Make sure you leave a comment right here in the section. We'll bring those up, and I'll get to those comments at the end of the show. Okay, so we'll start here in the Western Conference. We'll start up at the top in round one. The Jazz take care of the Memphis Grizzlies, who get past the Warriors in the playing round. The Jazz win that series 4-1. to one. They move on again to play the winner of the Clippers and the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks and Clippers play this evening on ESPN. Then we have the Denver Nuggets getting past the Portland Trailblazers Man, this is one the tough one to watch. All right, I I live in Oregon. Um, I grew up in the Bay Area. I'm a Warriors fan um, at heart, but I have I'm kind of an, an inherited uh, Blazers fan as well. I live up here in the Pacific Northwest. I live just two hours south of Portland, and Damian Lillard is all world. I mean, the guy he's he's in my opinion he's one of the top five um, shooters in the NBA. I don't think there's a question about that. CJ McCollum, I think he's a solid number two, but he's hot and cold. He's not consistent enough, unfortunately. Um, Nurchich, decent big man, but clearly got absolutely dominated by Nurchich the whole series. Um, the Blazers played very well. Damian Lillard's 55 points two games ago broke Clay Thompson's uh, playoff game record. Uh, for the amount of threes in one game, Damian Lillard is is not the problem. There's a lot of talk this morning about if, is Damian Lillard going to stay in Portland? Is he going to go to L.A.? Is he somebody maybe to team up with LeBron? We'll talk about the Lakers here in a second. I don't think so. I mean, he has he has hundreds of millions of dollars and four years on his contract left to stay in Portland. To bring him out of Portland and to get him on a team is going to cost too many assets for a team to bring in Dame. Now, Dame is excellent, and a lot of teams could use Damian Lillard. He's going to make any team better. But I think the better move in this situation in general is going to be bringing assets to Portland. The Blazers have been pretty good for a while, good for a long time, but not good enough for a long time. And unfortunately, I like my man Terry Stotts, the head coach of the Blazers, but he's been there for a very long time 
And unfortunately, as far as the NBA is concerned, has nothing to show for it. Plenty of playoff performances, an incredible player. One of my favorite players, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Brandon Roy, another one who came through, but just not enough to get over the top in the West. And I think that is a big issue. So I think Terry Stotts, unfortunately, not that I ever wish for anybody to ever lose their job, but I think some changes to be made in Portland are maybe a coaching change, a philosophy change, and bringing in help for Damian Lillard versus trying to figure out who's going to buy Damian Lillard. Because you you put Lillard on any other team, and they're immediately a contender if they're not already, or they're going to be a championship contender if they're already a playoff contender. That's easy. The problem is, what are you going to get back for Dame in Portland to be better than what Damian is now? To me, that just doesn't make sense. The contract's there. It's not like he's up anytime soon. He's not a free agent anytime soon. He's arguably hitting the prime of his career. I think they got to keep him. The Blazers have to keep Damian Lillard. They have to bring in help. Maybe they get rid of CJ McCollum. I like CJ McCollum a lot. Again, I think he's an awesome number two. But maybe he is one that could have, you know, a little bit more street cred and get the bag somewhere else. And they could bring in multiple options, get a higher draft pick, something for the Blazers. I think that's a bigger issue. Let's move on here to the Phoenix Suns upsetting. I mean, they're the number two seed over the number seven seed Lakers but I still think it's an upset because the Suns were horrendous last year and the Lakers are the Lakers forever. The Phoenix Suns get past the Lakers 4-2, to two, win the series. They're on to play Denver now in the second round. Last night for the Lakers, it, it just it wasn't a contest. This is, this is two of the last three games that it just has not been a contest. Anthony Davis goes out in the first quarter with a groin strain. He's had hamstring. He's had a knee. He's had a foot. The dude's just beat up. I love the player. I think the player is absolutely fantastic. Anthony Davis is, is one of the best versatile players in the league, one of the best big men in the league, obviously. But unfortunately, he can't stay healthy. And when he goes down and LeBron has to take over, he's still LeBron, but LeBron hasn't been healthy in two months. And he's the healthiest he is now, but unfortunately, it's too little too late. I had mentioned this on Wednesday's show. I'm just I was just concerned. Devontae Booker <laughs> is not getting enough enough love because of what Chris Paul has been doing and rightfully so Chris Paul has been absolutely fantastic. He's been beat up a little bit as well getting healthy at the right time. Chris Paul has been phenomenal. He's not going to get the MVP, but I think he's he's uh kind of a dark horse that people aren't I think respecting enough. Ryan called it out a few weeks ago that Chris Paul needs some more love in the MVP discussion. He's not going to win it. But I do think he should be in the top five discussion of what he's done with the Suns this year and where they would be without him, frankly. But oh, Devin Booker, excuse me, is not getting uh, enough enough love for what he's doing. He's been having some great games, excellent shooting last night and beyond. When those two guys are hot and you're having to run the floor and play running gun with the Suns, not going to happen. Lakers aren't that team. Lakers are a power team. Lakers play defense. Lakers get domination from AD. They get domination from from uh, LeBron. They get outside shooting when it's on. Pretty much for this entire series, outside of one game where the Lakers just dominated, pretty much the other five games, this, this series wasn't close. The Suns really impressed me, honestly. I mean, they're the number two seed. They're a very good team, obviously. 
but I, I thought the Lakers would put up more of a fight. Obviously, they would have. If AD was healthy and LeBron was healthy, they'd probably even win this series. But that's why they play the games, right? They weren't healthy. That's a problem. So Lakers come out, lay an egg once again in L.A., nonetheless. LeBron, I, I have a tough time with this. I'm not a LeBron hater at all. I love the player. He's been phenomenal for 20 years. One of the best all-around athletes in sports history we've ever seen. Um, came out of high school, dominated off the bat, and just this is the first year, the first year in 11 seasons since 2010 that we're going to have the NBA Finals without LeBron or Steph Curry. That's absolutely incredible. And most of those were LeBron James. Absolutely phenomenal. But he's getting over the top. The one thing that LeBron's always had in his favor for his career is he's not really been injured. That obviously has helped him. Unfortunately, this year and last year a little bit, he was beat up by the injury bug. Last year he got healthy in time. They win the championship. This year he got healthy late, but AD got hurt. So it's cool when you have two mammoth superstars on your team. But when somebody gets hurt and you don't have a third wheel to really pick it up, unfortunately, this is what happens. So Blakers, the Blakers, the Lakers lose to the Suns. The Suns move on to play Denver. The Suns will open up that series uh, in Phoenix. So they will host there. We'll talk about this series a little bit more next week when we have uh, more knowledge on things and make predictions and stuff like that. But I wanted to go through round one. Okay, let's move on here to the east side. So round one, Philadelphia 76ers take care of Washington pretty easily. Um, Washington kind of accidentally stole a game uh, there, but they win 4-1 to pretty handily. Dominated. Uh, Joel Embiid, not 100% either, but I think they just need to kind of let him chill for a while, make sure he's healthy moving forward because the Sixers could have beat um, uh, the Wizards with without. And, and look, Westbrook played best he can. But again, not enough. And uh, the 76ers, the number one seed for a reason, dominated this entire series. They win 4-1. to one. Moving on to the Knicks and the Hawks. The Knicks made it interesting <laughs> for the second and third game, but the Hawks ultimately take it down. They get the upset as the five seed over the four seed Knicks. And Knicks fans, look, man, you got it. You got a taste. And hopefully it's it's coming. They got a great young team. I think they're going to be contenders, hopefully, in the East for a while now. So I know it hurts and stings this year, but hopefully this is a stepping stone to get the Knicks back to where they need to be. I'm, you know, I'm a West Coast guy. I, I don't have an iron in the fire with the Knicks one way or another. What I do know is the Knicks are a uh, a pillar in the NBA history, um, for better or for worse. But they the NBA, there are some teams in professional sports that that sport is just better, more attractive, more views, um, you know, higher ratings, better better uh, sportsmanship and fanmanship when those teams are in the hunt. And Knicks are one of those teams in basketball. So the Knicks making the playoffs after being in a doghouse for the last decade, at least, is a really great sign for New York, East Coast sports, and Knicks fans. So, to, you know, I know it stings. But take this as a win this year. Hopefully they they uh, improve on it, bring in another name or two, and um, they get back at it next season because the Knicks, I think, can be good for a long time. And it was it was just absolutely fantastic to see Derrick Rose 
uh, back at it. So hopefully you can stay healthy and, and they can get back to it here. The Hawks move on to play the 76ers, one seed versus the five seed. The Hawks are up against it, um, but they've been playing very well recently as well. So that'll be an interesting series. Then we have the Bucks and the Miami Heat. The Bucks took care of this one right off the bat. They were the first team to move on. Number three seed over the number six seed, Miami Heat. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks swept the Heat. Uh, so 4 0. Um, the Heat, unfortunately, did not put up much of a fight in this series. They had a couple close games, but ultimately the Milwaukee Bucks took it to them. And then we have the Brooklyn Nets over the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics had to play into the playing game. They went through the playing game. They, they, <laughs> had the unfortunate <laughs> luck of playing uh, the three-headed monster, which is the Brooklyn Nets. And Boston got a game from them, but ultimately we are starting to see Kyrie and Harden and uh, KD heat up at the right time. We've been mentioning, and everybody in the sports world had been mentioning for the last couple of weeks, they only played seven games together. They only played nine games together. What's the continuity going to be like? You know what's 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 the what's the uh, uh, you know what's the, what's the the camaraderie going to be with those three guys? And then we have Blake Griffin, of course, as well, who's not Blake Griffin of old, but he's still Blake Griffin. And <laughs> they're catching steam right now, so they are absolutely <laughs> absolutely a force in the East. And I think you know a lot of people were kind of like, okay, it's the Sixers at the number one seed. Or it'll be the Milwaukee Bucks. You know, Giannis has got to get over the top. You know, got the MVPs, but he's going to get over the top. We don't know about the Nets. We'll see what happens. Well, all of a sudden, the Nets are playing the best basketball that they've played all season, potentially, right now, which is super scary for the rest of the East and possibly uh, the West as well when we get there. So they get past Brooklyn. Uh, Brooklyn gets past Boston 4-1. to one. They move on, and now it's Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Uh, I think the 76ers take care of the Hawks. Probably four to one, four to two, maybe. Milwaukee and Brooklyn's going to be interesting. This could be a seven game series. I think six at least. I think right now I lean Brooklyn just because I think they're too dominant. But man, if Milwaukee can steal one or two in Brooklyn, get their wins in Milwaukee, this could be very interesting. So that is the NBA playoff wrap here. So once again, conference finals, second round, rather. You have Utah, the number one seed in the West, playing the winner of the Clippers and Mavericks series. If the Mavericks win tonight, they move on. If the Clippers win, they're going to force a game seven. Then you have the Denver Nuggets and the Phoenix Suns on the other side of the Western bracket. We have Philadelphia and Atlanta, number one seed, number five seed, and Milwaukee and Brooklyn on the other side of the East. And then, of course, we will get into uh, the semifinals and the finals coming up after that. So it should be very interesting, and I'm excited to run through that with the boys next week. All right, we do have a couple questions piling up in the uh, comment section. Bear with me, please. Again, uh, if you're uh, you know just tuning in, I'm rolling solo today. I'm doing my best to kind of keep track of everything, but please bear with me. I'm going to get to a couple comments here in just a second. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to another one of our sponsors, one of my personal favorites. I want to give a shout out to Athletic Brew. Brew without compromise, Athletic Brew. These are micro brews, craft brews without alcohol. And you might be thinking to yourself, why would I drink a beer without alcohol? That's a great question. 
And it's a fair question. But for me personally, I stopped drinking alcohol quite a while ago for personal reasons. Um, I didn't like the the side effects. I was tired of feeling groggy. I was tired of feeling slowed down. I was tired of feeling that I couldn't perform when I play like adult softball or I'm out in the yard and then I have a beer and I have to take a nap. You know, <laughs> I wasn't into that, man. We're all getting older. And uh, I was just not into that. So when Athletic Brew came around, I got myself a couple as well. I love the taste of beer. I live in the beautiful Pacific Northwest where we have craft brews all over the place. Bend, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, Eugene, Oregon. You know, Medford and Ashland, Oregon, we're known for craft beers up here in Oregon. So I love the taste of a good IPA or an ale or a stout or a red, but I don't want the alcoholic consumption because I just have no need for that. And I don't want to feel the consequences. So you can brew without compromise with Athletic Brew. You can go to athleticbrew.com and make sure to tell them that the Ryan D. Leaf show sent you 10% off of your first order. Once again, non-alcoholic brews, brew without compromise, athleticbrew.com, one of my personal favorites. Okay, let me get to a couple of comments here really quickly, and then we'll move on to some NFL. All right, once again, question of the day here. If you haven't jumped in the comment section, question of the day, which NFL teams who did not finish first in their division in 2020 could in 2021 we already have a couple rallying up and again guys i will get to you at the end of the show so go ahead and pile those up uh in the comment section so there's a few in here that i will skip over for now but a question here from um eric davidson eric thank you for tuning in today and uh and always um do you follow the nhl playoffs at all i will be super honest with you um i do follow it ish uh, I follow, I would say I follow, um, football, baseball, and basketball more closely, to be honest with you. Again, I grew up on the West coast. Um, <laughs> we have the San Jose sharks that are about an hour and a half, uh, from where I grew up. Um, but I grew up playing roller hockey because even on Christmas day, it was about 60 degrees where I grew up. So I grew up playing roller hockey. Hockey in general is just not a huge sport where I grew up and I never really got into it personally. I love the game of hockey. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly, I don't dodge it on purpose. Uh, but to be honest with you, as far as content for this show and being able to talk about it enough to give you all some insight and give you my opinions, just being honest, I don't follow NHL playoffs enough to break it down for you. However, Eric, this is straight up the first mention of hockey, I think, on this show. Um, Ryan, myself, and Jonathan are West Coast guys. Charlie's Midwest. Um, but if you want more hockey content, Eric, uh, I will personally make it my responsibility to bone up on the NHL playoffs and I'd be more than happy to bring it on another show. Um, so I can promise you that if you want to hear some more, uh, I'll get in tune again. I do watch the highlights. I tune into a game here and there. I love playoff hockey, nothing like playoff hockey. Um, I'm just not influenced on the game as much as I am on the other ones, to be super honest with you. So I would love to cover it, though, man. We're here for you guys. So if you want to hear some uh, NHL hockey, let me know, and I will uh, bone up and and hopefully uh, be able to talk a little talk a little puck with you uh, moving forward. So thank you for that. Also, I appreciate the compliment. Doing a great job. Thank you, man. Again, rolling solo today, but um, doing my best. And Bill Powell, always nice to have you in, my man. Go Lightning. Tampa Bay started out a little bit short, but – I do know that uh, they're they're on their way. So Champa Bay, yep. So the the Bucks and the Lightning, 
holding it down here. Um, and the Rays had an opportunity as well against the Dodgers, uh, but came up short. So Tampa Bay, uh, Florida is feeling it um, the last uh, last couple seasons. So, okay. Um, Rob in here as well. So we got a lot of the regulars. I appreciate you guys. Um, once again, please jump in the comment section. Uh, I've got some NFL to talk with you about. I've got a quick MLB discussion as well. And then we'll get into the question of the day. Once again, which NFL teams who did not finish first in their division in 2020 could finish first in their division in 2021. I see a number in there already, and I certainly uh, am going to chat with you about those. Okay, let's move on to the NFL here. This one's going to be a fun, uh, a fun one, and I'd like to hear you guys jump in the comments on this one as well because we'll have the question of the day, and we'll do you know basically whoever hasn't finished first, who could finish first? That's one question. I'm going to go through last place teams in 2020 and talk about who might not end up last at least. I mean, they could be third in their division, but not last. I also want to discuss first place teams in 2020 and who we think will retain that first place position or who might get leapfrogged by another team, which, of course, leads into our question of the day. Let's start with last place teams. Last year, last place teams in the AFC were the Jets, the Broncos, the Bengals, and the Jaguars. In the NFC, it was the Eagles, the 49ers, the Lions, and the Falcons. So the question, first question is going to be, which of these last place teams in 2020 do could we see not ending in last place again this year? So we'll start here with um, let's start with the AFC. Now going down the list here, let's start with the Jets. Um, they bring in rookie Zach Wilson. They bring in a new head coach, but they still have the Bills, who outside of the Chiefs, in my opinion, are the best team in the AFC. Maybe the Browns, maybe the Ravens. We'll get to them in a second. But the Bills are a top three, four team in the 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 AFC for sure, maybe even the league, and certainly in the AFC East. So they're not going anywhere unless they have a catastrophic injury. And I'm not accounting for any made-up injuries yet. So these are as-is right now. Then you have the Dolphins, an improved team, 10-6 and six last year with 17 games. I could see them winning 12 games if Tua can get it together, which I think he will bounce back, and they do have more weapons. They get Jalen Waddell in, and they also get some offensive line help. They have a nice running back stable. They improve the defense, and I believe in Brian Flores. So I think the Dolphins will also be in the hunt. The Patriots are the Patriots. They had a down year last year, under 500. The post-Brady effect, we all know what happened there. Cam Newton, this morning, though, you know, somewhat breaking news if you haven't heard already, Cam Newton was throwing a pass hit his hand on the back of a uh, of an offensive lineman and hurt his hand. I haven't heard as of this this show because um, I've been prepping for the last hour and a half or so, so I haven't heard. If anybody knows, let me know. If there's a, a fracture of any kind or long-term damage, all I heard was that he hit it and he sat out the rest of practice, so we'll see what happens. But we saw this happen to Drew Brees two years ago against the Rams, and he missed five games. So, you know, if there's not a fracture or it's not major, then hopefully Cam Newton can bounce back pretty quickly and not miss actual game time. But what this does is it opens up the door for rookie Mac Jones. This is a great opportunity for Mac Jones. He needs, if nothing else, he needs extra, you know, team one reps. He needs reps with the offense, the starting offense, right? The starting wide receivers, his starting offensive line, the play calls, right? The backfield. He needs all the reps he can possibly get. Every single rookie does. So if nothing else, even if Cam ends up being healthy and goes for week one, then um, we will 
be looking at Mac Jones potentially taking over um, at least the snaps and uh, getting ready for week one. So hopefully Cam is healthy, um, but if he's not, Mac Jones is getting the opportunity that every rookie is hoping for if they are coming in as the bona fide backup. So I don't think the Patriots go anywhere. They get a bunch of their defenders back who sat out last year via COVID. Cam is healthier than last year as well. The Jets, I think, are in trouble. <laughs> I, I think the Jets will be better than 2-14. and 14. They play 17 games again, so you got to add a game, of course. But I think the Jets could win five games. I mean, I believe in Robert Sala. I believe in, in Mike LaFleur, my man Mike Nicolini, who's the get-back coach, uh, a childhood friend of mine who's who's the, the guy that his, his sole responsibility to keep Robert Sala off the uh, off the field. Um, I'm rooting for the Jets. I hope they do well, but I just think there's going to be too many growing pains, not enough weapons yet, an improved offensive line for sure, um, but still a rough backfield, not a lot of weapons on the outside, and a rookie quarterback that, in my opinion, was overdrafted at number two. I like Zach Wilson a lot. Don't think he should have been a top two quarterback drafted personally. Okay. Now, uh, the Jets, I do not think, make that make that mark. Let's move into the Broncos. Could the Broncos just not finish last? Yes, they could. If Teddy B can come in or Drew Locke can get it together, Cortland Sutton's healthy. Melvin Gordon's back for another round. They bring in um, Javante Williams, who I love as a rookie, my favorite rookie running back outside of Najee Harris. Uh, and their defense is going to get healthy as well. They have a great secondary. Um, and... I could see the Raiders finishing last. The Raiders finished second in this division. I think this year it's going to be the Chargers. Um, Justin Herbert lost six games last year by less than a touchdown. That's insane. Uh, I, I could see them winning 10, 12 games, and then the Chiefs are the Chiefs. So I see the Broncos being better than the Raiders. I see the Raiders being in last place in this division this year, so I'll take the Broncos to not finish last. Let's go to the north here, the Bengals. Again, the Ravens or the Browns will win this division, in my opinion. I like the Steelers. Ryan's a Steelers fan, as a, uh, you know, growing up as a kid. I don't hate the Steelers. I just think that the Ravens and the Browns have both surpassed them as an overall squad. It's all about health, but the Browns look very good to me. Um, they're kind of my dark horse Super Bowl team for the AFC, uh, if not the Chiefs or the Bills. And the Ravens could as well if Lamar can stay healthy and they can get that defense healthy, but they did lose a lot of weapons on defense. So right now I'm going to go Browns, Ravens, Steelers, and I just don't see Joe Burrow surpassing any of those teams yet. However, when Big Ben retires, we'll see what Dwayne Haskins or whoever else can do for Pittsburgh. But when Joe Burrow has an opportunity and the Steelers maybe take a step back in the next couple of years, this is either going to be easily the best division all around in, in the AFC or the Steelers could fall and the Bengals could leapfrog them here in the next couple of seasons. So I think the Bengals finished last as well. Finally, the Jaguars. And look, by default, the Texans might have a rookie quarterback who <laughs> was drafted in the later rounds and a day two pick. And I, I just, I, I like, you know, I like Davis. I, I like Davis Mills. Ryan likes Davis Mills. I don't like the weapons. They have a ton of castaways at wide receiver, at running back, at offensive line. Everybody's on a one- or two-year contract. The Texans are going to clean house in two years anyway. Deshaun Watson may or may not play. Even if he even if he does play, I don't think he plays the whole season. And I don't think he maybe plays at all this year. I don't think the Jaguars are going to be a very good NFL team with wins. I just don't. I believe in Trevor Lawrence long-term. I have 
skeptics about Urban Meyer and their defense is terrible. Um, but the Texans are equally bad and they don't have Trevor Lawrence. So if the Jaguars win three games, the Texans probably win two or less. So I'm going to give um, the Jaguars a benefit of the doubt to get out of the cellar and I'll bring the Texans last place in the AFC South. Let's go through the NFC really quick and we'll get into some first place teams. Washington football team won the division on accident last year at seven and nine, which is pathetic. That rule needs to change. I'm a Washington football team fan. Um, I was not while they had the previous name and I'm not a fan of uh, Dan Snyder personally, but I love Ron Rivera. I was rooting for Alex Smith. And I think this is a great young team that could do good things for a long time. Dallas should bounce back with Dak coming back. He looks great in OTAs. The Giants should get better with Saquon healthy, the defense improving, and um, Daniel Jones getting healthy. And the Eagles could certainly improve as well with another year and a full season with Jalen Hurts and an improved defense themselves. This is the hardest division for me to pick and choose outside of the NFC West, which I'll get to next. So the question is, are the Eagles, who finished last in the division last year at 4-11-1, will they finish last in the division again this year? Possibly. If it's not them, I think it'll be the Giants. The Giants, though, surprisingly, if Saquon gets healthy and they have a balanced attack, Daniel Jones can take another step and that defense improves, I think the Giants could, could surprise some people. They bring in Kenny Galladay. Um, I think they could surprise some people. So uh, – I don't think I don't think the Eagles are a last place team in the NFC East, but I don't know who else would be. So that one is TBD. How about that? I'll cheat a little bit on that one. NFC West, um, 49ers last place. No, you guys know I'm a 49er homer, so I know this is cheating. But they had they led the NFL in, in injuries by a lot last year. Their entire running back core was hurt. Starting quarterback was hurt. Their receiving core was hurt. George Kittle missed half the season. Their entire defense was banged up. Richard Sherman missed the season. They got rid of DeForest Buckner. Nick Bosa missed the season. It's not even close. The 49ers are not – are not. they might finish last in this division, but that might be with 10 wins. This division's insane. The Seahawks are, are the Seahawks. The Cardinals are improving. The Rams, I think, are going to win the division as much as that hurts my soul to admit. I love Matt Stafford going to the Rams, though, and their defense and everything else, Sean McVay. I don't think the Niners finish last. To be honest with you, if the Niners stay healthy and the Rams are the Rams, they're going to be one and two either way. Then it comes down to Seattle and, and Arizona for me. And I might, I think I'm going to lean Seattle because of the experience, the coaching overall, the defense, and Russell Wilson. But if they slip up or get an injury and the Cardinals play well, they could surpass them. So I think it's the Cardinals that end up in last place, but I don't think it's going to be the Rams or the 49ers. So it could also be Seattle. Let's move on to the North. Packers, this is all TBD for Rodgers. Obviously, let's say he comes back. The Packers win the division, in my opinion, unless there's an injury. The Bears, I think, are fine. The Lions are going to be last in the division. The Vikings played horrendously last year with no defense, and they were still 7-9. and nine. I don't think Jared Goff gets the Lions out of the cellar. I'm going to keep them in last place in that division. And then NFC South. The Falcons were last last year, but everybody was hurt on defense again. Julio Jones was banged up the entire season. Julio's going to be traded most likely maybe by the time you this, this episode ends. We'll see what happens there. Panthers are improving. Tom Brady's Tom Brady with the Bucs. They just win the Super Bowl. This is ridiculous, and I don't think it happens, but if the Falcons stay healthy, 
and they can rebound and they get some nice pieces from Julio Jones trade. The Saints. Is it insane to think that the Saints might be last in this division? I don't think they're going to, you know, they're not going to lose, you know, they're not going to lose, you know, 12 games or something ridiculous. But if Jameis doesn't play well in his bench and if Taysom Hill plays okay but not great, I don't know, man. With the coaching and the offensive weapons and the defense, I don't see them finishing last. It's probably the Panthers, but the Panthers are also improving as well. And they spent nine consecutive picks on defense. So very interesting there. I'm going to take the Panthers last, but it could be the Saints as well. Okay, first place teams will stay in the NFC. I'll make this one quick. Washington football team, I think, does still win the division in the NFC East. Seattle, I mentioned I do not think they did win the division in the NFC West. I'm going to do a homer pick with the 49ers or the Rams. One of those two teams win the division. If Aaron Rodgers plays, the Packers win the division. If Aaron Rodgers does not play on the Packers this year for one way or another, I'm going to give it to the Bears. I think the Bears could do well with Andy Dalton or um, Justin Fields. Great defense, decent enough coaching. I think they could surprise and win the division. The Vikings get better on defense. They could be interesting too. In the NFC South, you can't go against Brady and the entire team coming back. That's insane. I'm, I got to go with Brady in the NFC South. AFC East, Bills, absolutely. AFC West, Chiefs, absolutely. AFC North, the Steelers won it last year. I do not see the Steelers winning it again this year. They could be third in this division. I'm going to go out on a limb and say the Browns win the division. I know there's some other comments here that I'll get to in a second. I'm going to say the Browns win the division, if not the Ravens. And then AFC South, it's going to be the Titans or the Colts. I think it's going to be the Titans. I just like the continuity there. Um, if they bring in an extra weapon like a Julio Jones to Tennessee, it's curtains. The defense is great for Indianapolis. I think Car Carson Wentz ultimately is going to be an upgrade, but can they keep it together? That's all. And can Carson Wentz really ride the ship? I'm going to go with Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, and that continuity right now with the Titans, but it's going to be a very good race. Last year, they both finished 11-5, and five, so it could be very close there. Okay, that breaks down some of the uh, first and last place discussion. Let me give a shout-out to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, and then we'll get into some quick MLB and get into your comments. Of course, I want to give a shout-out to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Good friends of the show, big supporters here. A couple, four roommates out of the University of Michigan came up with the newest thing in hot sauce. Bomb Banana Hot Sauce, banana-based, not banana-flavored. You have the white over my Julio Jones jersey. It's a little more mild flavor, uh, you know, great flavor, but not as much heat. On the other side, over my Ricky Waters, you like that? Ricky Waters jersey from the uh, Seattle Seahawks back in the day. We have Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. It's the Mui Mui red flavor. A little bit more heat, a little bit more kick, absolutely delicious. You can go to seekthespice.com and you can check out Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Once again, Make sure you tell them that Ryan D. Leaf's show sent you there. Again, bomb banana hot sauce, banana base, not to be confused with banana flavored hot sauce. Seekthespice.com, banana based hot sauce. Absolutely delicious. Okay, final thing. I'll just spend about five minutes on this really quick, and then I want to get into your comments here. So I want to give a quick look at the, uh, the overall standings in the MLB. So looking at these first second place teams, like who are the real contenders in Major League Baseball right now? We'll start in the AL, American League East. Tampa Bay Rays went to the World Series last year. Right now they're currently in first place, 36 and 22 uh, over the Red Sox at 33 and 23. 
The Rays are playing very well. Um, they have yet to lose double-digit losses on the road. That's huge. They have a better record on the road than they do at home. You don't see that very often in any pro team, certainly not in baseball. They've won seven of the last 10, and the Rays are playing well. Are the Rays a contender? Absolutely. We saw it last year. I think they're absolutely contender. You got to can't count out the Red Sox, who have been in first place for most of the season so far, and the Yankees are the Yankees. The Yankees are on a bit of a skid right now. They, they've lost seven of 10, um, but they're still five games over 500. They're only four and a half back. It's a very long season still. Don't count out the Yankees. I don't believe in the Blue Jays. The Orioles are one of the worst teams in baseball. I think the Rays and the Red Sox run this division, but the Yankees get hot. It's the Yankees. Move on to the AL Central. White Sox have been running this division pretty much all season long. They've won 7 of 10. They are three games ahead of the Cleveland Indians. And um, the Royals are right behind them at five games. I do think the White Sox ultimately, unless one of these other teams get hot for a stretch, the White Sox should win this division. Quick note here on the Cleveland Indians, and maybe we can talk about this um, longer in another discussion because I am you know, don't want to get too long in the tooth on this right now. They're not going to be the Cleveland Indians much longer. Okay. A lot of this came up for the last couple of years with the Washington now football team, right? About changing their name. And in December, the, the now Cleveland Indians said that they were going to change their name for the first time since 1915. Their previous names dating back to 1865. Cleveland's baseball team has previously been called the Spiders, the Blues, and the Forest Cities. They have gone through nearly 1,200 options for a team name. 1,200 options for the Cleveland Indians' new baseball team name. The three front runners so far returning to the Spiders, the Guardians, and the Avengers. So we'll see what owner Paul Dolan comes up with here, but uh, the Indians looking to uh, change their name and they will no longer be the Indians uh, most likely coming next season. Move on to the AL West. Oakland A's still holding off the Astros. They're one game ahead. The Oakland A's here, 35 or 33 and 25, excuse me. Both of those teams are five and five of the last 10. The Astros have been playing incredible baseball for the last five seasons. The A's have been playing good, not great for a long time. They're running. Bob Melvin and the, and the crew are running the uh, NL West or AL West right now. And uh, they're, they're holding them off. It's a very long season. Still, we still have about a hundred games left, but uh, the A's are playing great baseball right now. And the Mariners in the river mirror at 500, four games back. We'll go to the NL, the Mets holding up the lowly NL East at 27 and 22, um, holding off the Braves by three and a half games. So the Mets are playing well in their division, but as a first place team, the, the Mets easily have the worst first place record. In Major League Baseball, you have the Braves behind them at three and a half games and the Phillies four games back in El Central. The Cubbies up ahead of the Cardinals at over uh, one and a half games. The Cubbies are hot right now. They've won eight of two. They're the hottest team in baseball over the last 10 games. They've won eight of the last 10, 32 and 24. And again, the Cardinals just one and a half games behind them and the Brewers two games behind them. So the NL Central seems to always be close, so we'll see what happens there. But Cubbies so far playing well. The Cardinals seem to always come away with this division eventually at the end. We'll see what happens. And the NL West, the best division in baseball, bar none. The Giants, my Giants, up at the top here, 7-3 over the last 10, playing very well. A game over the Padres at 35-23 and 23, and two games over the Dodgers. Uh, the Rockies and, and Diamondbacks are 
phoning it in already 12 and a half and 16 games back. The Giants, Padres, and Dodgers are going to be an incredible race over the next 100 games. And there is a world where all three of them make the playoffs. So we'll see what happens here when the NL West. Right now, my Giants have a one-game lead over the Padres and a two-game lead over the Dodgers. All right, that breaks down all of my categories for today. Got about five minutes left. Let's jump into... Let's jump into your comments here. We'll start up at the top. Again, question of the day, if you want to jump in one more time before we get out of here. Question of the day, which NFL teams who did not finish first in their division in 2020 could finish first in 2021? I just gave you my thoughts. Let's hear yours. We'll start with Bill Powell, my man Bill Powell. Washington football team, hashtag Fitzmagic is real. I believe it as well, my man. And the D is stellar. I totally agree. Young defense, Chase Young is a beast. Dallas is a mess. Philly can't get organized and no feel. uh, Oh, and we'll feel no Carson um, and the Giants as well. Okay, so a lot to unpack here. I agree with you with the Washington football team. Love the defense. Fitzmagic is a lot of fun. You know what's insane? 16-year career for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Never played a playoff game. Unbelievable. It's like the best stat in football right now. Doesn't make sense. I think he gets over that hunch. They at least get a wild card in Washington. Um, I think they get over 10, 10, 12 wins this year. Great defense, improving offense, great coaching staff. I like them a lot. I'll take Washington football team as well. Dallas is a mess. That's debatable. I, I mean, last year they were a joke because Dak went down. Before Dak went down, they were two and three, but he was, I mean, he was on pace for like 6,000 yards or something stupid, right? So, I think they'll be just fine if Dak can stay healthy. Zeke's that have a resurgent. We know Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, right? Two great um, tight ends as well. Uh, Dalton Schultz and, and Blake Jarwin coming off of injury. The offensive line getting old but getting healthy this year. Defense could still use some work, but having Micah Parsons in the middle there is certainly going to help. Okay, let's now get into um, Eric Davison. Baltimore, hands down. So, again, I am not disagreeing with you with Baltimore. I just think that there's a slight edge to the Brownies. Um, Baltimore's defense has been absolutely incredible for, I mean, frankly, since, what, the late 90s? <laughs> I mean, they have been one of the best defenses year after year after year since they came into the NFL, right, in the late 90s. Um, obviously, multiple Hall of Famers and everything else. However, they just got rid of a number of of, of uh, key names on that defense. Matthew Judon being one of them going to the Patriots. That makes me a little bit nervous. They're still going to be good. They still have a, a defensive-minded coaching team. They're going to be nasty. You don't want to play in Baltimore. It's outside. It's cold. It's the NFC North. It's hard-nosed football. They're still going to play very well. And if Lamar stays healthy, they should win 10, 12, 13 games. They have a run-first attack. I really like uh, Rashad Bateman that they brought in from the draft. Um, that being said, I like the Browns a lot, man. I really believe in Kevin Stefanski. We saw what he did in year one. We saw what he did with the, uh, Titans before that. Um, and I'm sorry, the Minnesota Vikings. I apologize. Not the Titans, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, and I really believe that, that the run game here with two great running backs, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt with Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham coming back healthy, Jarvis Landry out there, multiple tight ends, younger receivers, and a great defense. The Baltimore Ravens have a good defense this year. The, the Cleveland Browns, in my opinion, have a great defense. 
Also, another one here. Also, the 49ers looking to be a strong contender. Good value bet. Totally agree with you. Vegas odds in that bet. I'm taking the 49ers all day long. Uh, Bill wanted to get back to Eric here. Great point on Baltimore. They just fizzled out in the playoffs, yet they're strong. 49ers, heck, the whole NFC West is a log jam. If Julio goes to Seattle, it gets worse. Let's please not talk about Julio Jones to Seattle. I don't want that as a 49er fan. I'm also a big-time fantasy football guy. I don't talk about it on this show because it's a you know real-life sports show if you want. Um, but if you're into fantasy football by chance, <laughs> uh, I do run my own podcast Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday live uh, on YouTube where the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. You can check us out on all um, avenues, you, YouTube, Twitter, um, Instagram, the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast, a.k.a. TCK Pod. You can go check us out and um, talk some fantasy football there. But Julio would be absolutely um, dominant in, in Seattle as well with DK and, and uh, Russell Wilson. All right, and then uh, we got a shout-out from from uh, Charlie. Again, Charlie was out today. Jonathan was out today. And uh, Ryan, of course, out today as well. Rob Berger wants to get in as well. Preach, we will be better. Go Niners, I'm with you. And we want to get in here. Mesmer season, Eagles will surprise, I think, this year. I agree with you. I just need to see what happens with Jalen Hurts. Okay, everybody. Today was a really fun show. I appreciate you sticking with me. It was a lot of just me for an hour. Um the guys were out on personal matters, but they will be back on Monday. We'll have a great show for you next week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, live right here on YouTube, 1230 to 1:30 Pacific, 3:30 to 4:30 Eastern Standard Time. Check us in. We're gonna have some more guests coming up here shortly as well. And uh, we'll be bringing you everything we can in the world of sports. We got NHL on the dock. If there's anything else you guys want us to cover in particular, leave a comment on the YouTube, leave a comment in the thread. Hit up the RDL show on Twitter uh, at the RDL show or on Instagram. You can also find Ryan at Ryan D leaf. Make sure to go subscribe to us right here on YouTube as well. If you have not already, we're trying to get to a thousand subscribers by the end of the month of June, help us there and listen back and share the podcast on the believe podcast networks as well. A lot of fun guys. I appreciate y'all sticking around with me, Bill Powell. Thank you so much. And Eric, I appreciate you too. Held it down best I can. We'll be back with you next week. Everyone enjoy your weekend. Have a safe trip. If you're out there and you're getting some sun, enjoy it. Stay healthy. Take care of yourself. We'll catch you next week. For the entire crew here at the RDL Show, for my man, Charlie Moss, for Jonathan Rifkin, and for the boss, Ryan D. Leaf. I'm your host for today, Sky Guasco. We'll catch you next time. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.